morning, I, I, I want to share with you um, just a, a message that comes from a few different places in Scripture. But I want to remind you of the fact this morning, and I learned this years ago as a very young pastor, I, uh, I was preaching on Mother's Day, and uh, there were a few ladies who uh, at, at one point I, I noticed uh, they weren't trying to cause commotion or disruption in the service, but they began weeping, and their weeping kind of spilled over uh, down the pew, and others around them uh, began to, to check on them and console them a little bit. And at one point, one of the, the ladies got up and had to leave, uh, and she went back into the cry room area of our, our sanctuary. And um, <clears throat> it wasn't until afterwards that she was still there weeping, and her husband had come in to console her. And uh, I went in to check on them and sat down with them and, and hugged them and prayed with them and, and found out, you know, one of the things that we, we knew, but you don't always know, you're not always aware of, and that this couple had been married for years and that they had been trying to conceive and that uh, they couldn't, and uh, there was infertility, they had been to doctor after doctor, and there was really not a lot uh, on the horizon, and uh, this sweet couple um, just wept, and you know, in, in the middle of that, uh, I, 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 I think I was either still unmarried, maybe engaged to Jennifer, didn't know, didn't have children of my own, didn't know what the future held in any of that, wanted children. But I remember just sitting there and thinking, man, Mother's Day is hard for some people. It's a reminder. It feels like more than just a Band-Aid's been peeled off for those who haven't been able to have kids, but also for those who have lost their moms. And then there's resentment in some hearts because some people have had moms that really weren't good moms, weren't there for them, didn't comfort and console them like maybe we think that a, a, a godly woman should. And so we acknowledge this morning that not everybody that is a lady in this place uh, is necessarily a mother, and there is absolutely nothing in this world wrong with you because of that. God hasn't cursed you. God hasn't shown disfavor towards you. God hasn't said that you are less than in any way, shape, or form possible. That same God loves you and has a plan for your life. So many of those apostles we read about that were some of the greatest servants of God, though they were men, we never read of their children. They gave themselves in dedication and service to the Lord. And so we do that today, whether we have kids, whether we don't have kids. And so I just want to acknowledge that this morning, that uh, in your hurt and in your pain this morning, don't be angry at God. Trust God. And, and, and in your joy and adulation this morning of having children, don't look around and, and flaunt that. Too many stories, and ours included, as we had children at an older age, um, too many stories God can do miracles and things. And I'll tell you this today. My friend who was in that room that day, uh, he, is at, uh, he is a highway patrolman, and they have three adopted children today whom they love and celebrate. And so I know today they can rejoice and celebrate on Mother's Day because they have their babies. They just went a different route. God had a different thing prepared for them. So to say all that this morning, um, if, you have, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in the Psalms a couple of times, but one of the, oh, Psalm 8615 is a place I'm going to be. And then when we get to the next place, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you. I think a lot of these scriptures that we have this morning are on the screens. One of my favorite preachers of all time is a name that's not really well known 
in American church uh, because he was never an American church pastor. He was a Welsh, a Welsh pastor. And um, his name was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Dr. Lloyd-Jones was a doctor. He was a medical doctor. He was gifted. Uh, he had an incredibly bright career. He breezed through uh, his med school classes. He, he was well-known, well-loved. His compassion and care and his mor morality and integrity were known by so many people. And as a young man in his profession, uh, he was called by God to pastor a church. And he, he didn't hesitate. He followed God's calling to become a pastor, and he left the medical field behind. And some would think, well, why would you invest so much of your life, so much money, so much time into that, and then on a whim, if a calling from God is really a whim, follow him into the ministry. And it's because God called him, and he said he never regretted that calling. Who knows, the money he could have made, the esteem and prestige and privilege that he could have had uh, as a doctor, but instead he followed the Lord, and the Lord blessed his calling and put favor upon his life, and God will always do that for us as we follow him. But Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, was back in the hospital one day, and he was visiting with a group of medical students there. And uh, he, as he was listening to them and speaking to them about their prayer lives and their spiritual lives, a lot of the students began to murmur and complain that during their clinicals, their training, and all those hard work hours that they were there in the hospital, that they did not have time to read the Bible or to do devotions. And Dr. Jones was said to have bristled at this. He said, I am a doctor. I have been where you are. You have time for what you want to do. And that, that line right there kind of struck me. Because we always say, well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for them. I don't have time for this or that. But we have time for what we want to do. But after a long pause, Dr. Lloyd-Jones says, I make only one exception. The mother of preschool-aged children does not have time and the emotional resources. And how many of y'all have been there, right? Um, you know, we keep thinking for some odd reason, even though everything that everybody that's older than us has always told us always, always comes true. Hey, Aaron, at 40, it goes downhill, right? Uh, first, it's the mind. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I, in the last few weeks, I've had a hearing test, a visit with an audiologist, a vision test, and I got to go get a physical, and I'm scared of that one too, okay? Uh, it's all going downhill, right? So people have always told you, well, uh, enjoy these days. These are the best days. And, and we believe that, like Jennifer and I do with littles. Um, but we, we, for some reason, think, well, it's going to get easier, right? So much simpler. When they become teenagers, they're going to have it all together, and they're just going to be respectful. And <laughs> But you know what? Um, it is a blessing to have kids, but it's never easy, no matter what. And, and it's important to recognize that there are stages in life. Some of us uh, are empty nesters. Some of us are soon to be empty nesters. Others, uh, you know, are, are in retirement mode, and they enjoy that, that quietness in the house. They've adjusted to it. But there are stages in life where we really don't have much time for a lot of things. And I don't think that in those stages that we can't do everything, that there should be a whole lot of guilt about that. God is not the author of guilt. He does not shame us into submission. 
Now, God does bring conviction in our lives. If there's things that we should be doing and we're not, there's Holy Spirit prompting. There are absolutely holy nudges. But God doesn't beat us into obedience with these blows over the head and shame us into doing more. We understand that children will sap you, whether they are 4 years old, 40 years old, or older, right? And we understand, too, having young children. You can often forget about serious reading, deep Bible study, unless you have the money for a nanny, uh, which a lot of us don't. When our youngest, Declan, finally goes off to kindergarten, we will celebrate that day. <laughs> Jennifer's looking at me, shaking her head. She will cry. I will celebrate, right? Um, but, but that's just the way life is. I'll probably be crying more than anybody. Uh, you have to be realistic. Jesus was the only supernatural person, the only supernatural one that ever stepped foot on this earth. And there are lots of superwomen out there. But Jesus was the only supernatural one here. And so we got to know that we can't do it all. In fact, we shouldn't try to do it all because that takes away our dependence upon the Lord. Faith in God, or this Godward faith, is the foundation of effective mothering. Success as a mother does not depend upon the charts or the lists that you have made. Uh, it doesn't begin with the hard work or the sound principles or the consistent discipline. Even those things are vital. Now hear me, because my sweet wife will spend hours preparing crafts and 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 teaching lessons and, and things for the boys to do, and they go up there and mess it up and shrug their shoulders and don't care. Those things are still important, but that's not where the foundation of successful parenting or especially motherhood begins. It begins with God. And you remember God's faithfulness, His character, his promises, His sovereignty. And as you're understanding, as you begin to understand how good God is, and you begin to lean more upon God and bring your problems before God and fall down before His throne and ask for help and recognize your limitations and your inabilities and how His strength is made perfect through your weakness, your faith for mothering increases. But if your practices, no matter how useful they are, are not motivated by faith, they will most often be fruitless. The Bible says that without faith, it is what? Impossible. Not hard. Impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 says that. And fear, as we know, is sin. God's not overtly sympathetic to unbelief. And here's why. He, he told Joshua, if you remember, Joshua took over and he's leading these armies into these uh, enemy-ridden lands, and he continues to tell Joshua over and over, be strong and of good courage, for I am with you. Over and over, he tells him, be strong. And God continues to repeat that to us today, whether we're men, women, boys, or girls, because we fear so often. Why not? We live in a fear-filled world. Fear is mongered to us, the marketers, the news. It's all designed and generated to spike fear so that people will become addicted to it, so that ratings will rise. And we will live in fear wondering where our help is coming from. 
The vast majority of the world who aren't believers don't understand that God is our ever-present help in time of need. They're looking for someone, be that military might, be that gaining enough money so that they can protect and defend themselves, or looking to politicians. And guys, our faith is often in the wrong place because our fear is ruling our lives. Because of fear, worry, and unbelief, we often are saying, maybe not verbally, that we don't really believe, as Psalm 86, 15, look at this, that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now you break those words down. It's not just a sentence. It's not just a verse. Apply those to your life. God is merciful to you. He does not give you what you deserve. God is gracious towards you. He gives you what you don't deserve. God is slow to anger. Man, how many times could God have just smitten us off the face of the earth? How many times have we failed and then failed again? How many times have we turned our backs upon the Lord and been unfaithful to Him? And yet He is slow to anger, long-suffering, patient with us, willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It says that He is abounding, literally overflowing in steadfast love. That his love is unconditional. That it remains steady in our good, in our bad, in our highs, in our lows, in our mountains, in our valleys. God's love is steadfast for you. And that he abounds in faithfulness. Man, even when we are wretches, God is still good. When we live in fear, especially moms and parents, I think, and we think that we can't make it, that these kids are never going to amount to anything, that uh, this is too much for us, that we're overwhelmed. When we live in that fear and let it consume us, we feel the effects of a disconnection from God, and, and in essence, we're calling God a liar. Even in the most trying situations with children, mothers, you have more incentive to trust God than to fear. And I'll say that again. Even in the worst of situations in life, you have much more incentive to trust God than to fear. You have much more cause for peace and joy than you do for despair. That's because as a child of God yourself, you have the hope of the gospel, the ever-living presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Son of God at the right hand of God at this very moment and every moment interceding on your behalf, and you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. As we dedicated not just Davis this morning, but the Hill family, we remember that even in heaven we have everything, but on earth when you're a member of a family of God, you have brothers and sisters, parents and grandparents of the spiritual faith who are there to help look after you, to care for you, to see about you, to check on you, to provide for you, to love you, and if nothing else, even greater than all the rest, to pray on your behalf. What a blessing it is to have a church family. Scripture bears witness to this. While all Christians should always trust God, women are specifically called out. They're exhorted or encouraged in 1 Peter 5, or I'm sorry, in 1 Peter 3, verses 5 through 6. Look at this verse. For this is how the holy women of the past, of old, adorned themselves. They put their hope in God just as Sarah did. And you are her children if you do what is right and refuse to give way to fear. What a beautiful thought. 
to adorn yourself with faith, to put on the garment of Christ, to live in his righteousness, and to cast out the darkness and the shadows as a light of Jesus. Now, God isn't blind to your plight in life. He knows your struggles. He knows how many are scraping and scrimping by. He knows how many are on the last edge of their seat with their kids. He knows how many of us are broken and breaking at this very moment. He knows the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the fear, all of it. He knows every bit of that about every one of us. And Scripture readily admits that there are things that are frightening in our lives. There are things that are overwhelming to us. There are things that are bigger than us. In fact, it says that we will face much trouble and hardship and adversity in this life. But it always brings back the promise that he who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. Amen? Your God is great and big and more powerful. There is no sin that you can commit that's greater than God. There is no power, spiritual or earthly, that is higher and mightier than He is. You know, probably one of the scariest things in life is raising up a child or raising children. You know, yesterday morning, um, I got up and uh, the boys got ready and um, the first thing that they do is uh, they run in there and they they throw clothes everywhere and then they put on their underwear okay now one day they might hear this sermon and be embarrassed but both of them their favorite pair of underwear is the flash underwear and if you know who the flash is he's the fastest man in the world he's a superhero right well, the problem is, I didn't know this, but both of them wore their flash underwear the day before. And so when Jennifer gets up and she goes in there and they're showing her what they look like and they're looking and she looks at them and she says, are y'all wearing dirty underwear? And both of them look at her and say, no. But it was dirty because they got it out of the dirty clothes. And that just reemphasizes my point that it's scary to raise kids, all right? You never know what the heck they're going to be into or doing. But raising children is hard. Raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord in a world such as is ours today is very hard. Childbearing and child rearing is overwhelming. It can be scary. Where else in life, listen to this, where else in life do you have more significant responsibility? Now listen, the circle of life seems to come around sometimes. And sometimes uh, as our parents are raising us as babies and we're helpless and completely dependent upon them and we need them for care, for love, for nurture, for food, for water, for, for everything, sometimes the circle of life comes back around. And some of y'all have been here and some of you are here now where you're the caregiver for your parent, maybe for your mother. And you're the one that's providing and pouring out and protecting and, and, and seeing to the needs of. And, and it's unbelievable the heart of a caretaker. And I don't know how you can get through those seasons of life without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But where else in life do you have more significant responsibility in teaching, training, disciplining, feeding, nurturing, caring for, protecting, seeing to the needs of an eternal soul, and discipling than with your own children? Mothers face a daunting task, and we live in a world where more and more frequently there are single mothers that are raising children alone. 
you deal with rebellion in sinful hearts because every little child is a sinner. You deal with the rebellion in their sinful hearts while at the same time seeking to love them unconditionally. To love them in the midst of a world that is so hostile and full of dangerous ideas and beliefs and heresies and people. You know, we were, we were sitting yesterday and there was a, a, a lady sitting beside us and somebody came and um, they said that uh, there was an appointment open that the little girl could go in by herself and she was probably six. And the mama said, no way. She's not going out of my sight. Where I am, she is. And the lady was like, okay. And I looked at the mom and we were talking to her and she said, not, not today, not in this world. I'm not letting my baby out of my sight. Amen? We don't do that. And you think about the world at large, how dangerous it is, how scary it is, and you're raising kids in that. You may feel inadequate. You may feel ineffective. I know there are moments when my sweet wife breaks down and says, I don't feel like I'm doing this right. I don't feel like I, I, I'm getting through. I don't feel like they're listening to me. The, 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 what is it you said yesterday? The redirecting is wearing you out. Get off the fence! Maverick, don't jump from there! It happens, man. And it is exhausting. But the Lord says still, do not fear. Trust. Keep trusting. Trust me every morning. Trust me every, every mid-morning. Trust me at noon. Trust me in the mid-afternoon. Trust me in the evening. Trust me at night. Trust me. You know, I, I, I think about you guys, Luke and, and Rebecca. You guys, you have one baby that's married and has gone off to the military and, and just knowing the trust that you have to place in the Lord to release to trust as he's overseas, to trust in the birth of a grandbaby, to trust in all these different areas because you have kids all the way down. And it's constant. And you can't stop trusting. Because the minute you start trusting, the devil creeps in and your heart is overrun with every negative and dangerous and bad thought. And that's where you creep into the dark places of depression. Trusting God is not a one-time decision. It's not something that you can accomplish in some 30-day challenge. Or picking up Motherhood magazine and reading an article and say, got it, nailed it, I know how to do it all now. It doesn't happen overnight. Our sanctification in Jesus, where we are becoming more and more like our Lord, is a slow process over time, and we still never arrive at perfection. Parenting in the, in the fear and admonition, the love of Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus, man, it takes time. Some of y'all are 70 years old and, and you got 45, 50-year-old kids and you're, you're, you're still trying to figure it out. And it's okay. You have to fight. Man, I'm telling you what, guys. If you ever prayed for more than two minutes and you realize the distractions that are going on and you realize how your silly mind wanders to the dumbest stuff and you think, man, I can't remember, did, did Paul Goldschmidt hit Three hits or four hits last night in the Cardinals game. And like, oh, oh, sorry, God. Yeah, yeah. About uh, about that person that's sick, you know. And you start praying again, and, and that's how you are. But it's a fight. You have to fight fiercely to trust God, man. When your babies are are, are little, 
and they're always constantly by you, it's maybe a little bit easier. But I remember so many nights not even sleeping, waking up, because I would walk into that room and put my hand under Sperry's nose to see if he was breathing. And you're like, hmm, God, I know you got him. And every time I walk in there, it's a third time tonight, I put my hand on his chest. Thank God it's raising and lowering. He's breathing, you know. But, but you're still, and, and it never stops. And you think about your parents and you being parents and your kids being parents and the babies that we're all raising. It's a daily fight to trust God. Other times it's a moment-by-moment brawl, and I mean that word. You're growing and learning as you are growing and learning them. I mean, I tell you what, I learned so much from my little ones, but I'm telling you at the same time, we are God's children, okay? Raising God's children. As we are learning and growing, we're doing the same things for them, and it's a process. That's life. God is doing this to you, for you, as his beloved child, and you are never alone in this. Like raising children, growing in your trust of Jesus is a lifelong effort. Again, I could never say it enough. You're never, ever alone. You have the Holy Spirit inside you to guide you into all truth. You have the Sovereign Father who is ruling wisely over you, watching over you. You have your Savior's, Savior's righteousness to run to when you fail. And His never-ending intercession for you from the right hand of God at the throne of grace. So many things are frightening. But mothers especially, you have far more reason to trust God than to fear. Finished with this article by Carolyn Mahaney called Anything Frightening. This is a mother, grandmother who's speaking to mothers. Mothers, we have the gospel. We need not fear, and yet we do a lot. Our mothering fears are conceived with our children. We see two little blue lines, and we are tempted to worry. You know what she's talking about, Ben? Okay. We worry about eating something bad, lifting something heavy, or sleeping in the wrong position. So let me sell you this $120 pillow that will help you sleep right. Doesn't really say that. Then our baby is born, and we fret about his or her life outside the, the womb. They're eating, they're sleeping, talking, walking, and their developmental progress. Our child starts school, and we fear that they will never finish. You fear that, Angela? It happens. It's happening. Will they make friends? Will they make good grades? Will they make something of themselves? And no sooner does high school start, and we begin to worry about college. We worry about our children's health, their education, their friends, and above all, the state of their souls. Let me tell you, Sabrina Jimenez, if you don't think your mama worries about the state of your life and your soul, you're wrong. Every one of us. I'm telling you guys, you're prayed for so often by mamas that you never even know those prayers exist. Once our children leave home and they get a job and they get married, then, Miss Karen, you can stop worrying, right? Doesn't happen that way? I didn't think so. Instead of leaving with our children, new worries enter our lives. In my case, I now have 16 people, not me, Carolyn Mahaney, including sons-in-laws and grandchildren to worry about 
instead of four. And the world in which my grandchildren are growing up seems so much scarier than the one in which I raised my children. Mothers, we will never outgrow our need to trust God for our children. Amen to that? But neither will we ever outgrow the faithfulness of God. Praise God for that. Listen to this. Psalm 103, verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And I'm not talking about a scared, crawl in a corner, hide from God fear. I'm talking about a reverential, respectful, healthy, holy fear of God. His righteousness extends to their children's children. Keep trusting God. Keep confessing. Keep repenting when you fail because you're going to fail every day at something. Keep running to your Abba. God is always there to receive you, to comfort you, to heal you, to forgive you, to, to just be with you in your presence if you will allow Him. He will remind you of His goodness and that those babies, even the adult ones, are His too. And He is good. Um, I don't know why I'm emotional about this because I used to think, golly, stop it, Mom. You know, like this is cheesy. But she calls every morning of my birthday, and she called this morning. I remember this day, and now she's saying, 41 years ago. That the most beautiful seven pound, nine ounce baby boy was brought to me at 12, 12 p.m. I'm like, but you know, one day I'm not going to hear my mom. I'm not going to hear my mom say that. And maybe you don't hear your mama say that. And I want to tell you for real, if you've got a mama or a mama figure, if you've got a mother or even somebody that you care about. Maybe today is the day that you just tell them, I love you so much, and I thank God for you. God's mercy endures forever. He is good, and His love never fails. His salvation does not tarry. Again, He is good. You know, I don't know if I did it on purpose or what, but in my notes I wrote, he is good like five times because he is good. His presence is always with you. And this is the last, last thought. To rejoice, you daughter, whether you're a, whether you're a child-bearing mother or whether you've never had a child of all, you're still a daughter of the Most High. And you're chosen by God and you're favored as his image bearer. And as his image bearers, you are bearing image bearers of the king of glory. You are hopefully filling up the kingdom of heaven, the mansions that Jesus has gone on to prepare for you. You're helping prepare your children for that. He is with you. He does not fail. And today of all days, renew your trust and hope in him. It may be that you just need to press in and cry out for a wayward child. The song we sang today was about the prodigal. There's no mention of the mother in the prodigal story. There's mention of the father. 
But sometimes we just need to get to the bottom of ourselves. And we need to cry out to God and ask him to help us have the courage to come back. Even if they were wrong. Even if somebody offended us. Even if our parents were the ones that are the betrayers. Sometimes we, if we don't get right with them, we at least get right with the Lord. Rejoice in what you've got and what you've had. And sing his praise for he is worthy. Amen? Let's pray, guys. God, some of us today uh, will go to visit headstones. Uh, Some of us today will go to rest homes. Some of us today will go to uh, our mom's houses where they live alone. Maybe they're widows. Some of us live so far away from our moms that uh, the best we can do today is to just pick up a phone and call. But God, I pray no matter what, that whether we've got them or whether they're gone, we would thank you for them. Maybe we thank you for the things that we learned not what not to do from them. Maybe we thank you for the women that they were. Lord, I thank you for the gift of motherhood. We're a church, Lord God, that really we're, we're mothered by you. And it seems like such a strange thing to say of such a, a godly father. But your tender care and compassion over us never ends. Some of us, Lord God, this morning need to be broken of our pride and the resentment in our hearts. Some of us need to ditch the fear. And Lord, that's the hardest thing for us. Some of us need to make the discipline of trusting you and asking you and inviting you into our lives more regular. Some of us, Lord God, are just sitting here this morning, and Lord, we're, we're filled up with emotion. And I pray that you would turn that emotion into reality and let it be expressed in a real, physical, tangible way. Some of us need to look at the women around us and maybe just hug them and say, thank you. You've been through it. But God still got you here. Some of us need to pick up the phone or go to the home of or maybe scoop up our babies and just love them. Maybe it'll embarrass them. Good. Maybe it will make them think, Mom, don't do that. I'm too old for that. Good. Because, God, you gave me as one man, a mom, that always seemed to care. And I was embarrassed of that care a lot of my life. But now as I'm an adult and a father of myself, Lord, I look at it and I think, that's like me with your care. I haven't always noticed it. I certainly haven't always appreciated it, God. But thank you for always being present, especially when I need it most. Thank you, Father, for this sweet church. Thank you for the people in this church. Thank you for the wonderful worship, the great facilities. But most of all, Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. Thank you that you're here to meet our needs. And so, God, if you're calling anybody today, whether that is to join this church, that they may come forward and join. Whether that is to baptism because they've never followed you in baptism, that they might come and make that decision today here. Whether that is to... Uh, confess their sin and they come to do that privately at the altar or where they sit, whether that is to rededicate their lives and they want to make that public, or whether that is to trust Jesus for the very first time, 
as their Lord and Savior. That today would be the day that they would have the courage and boldness to step up and step out and come to you. We pray that, Lord. We ask that. And we certainly thank you above everything for all you've given us in Jesus. It's in your precious Son's name that we pray.